Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 62 and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And for this episode, we are guestless. So it's just me and Tazzy. We had advertised that we had Wudong Talks with us on this episode. Uh, Unfortunately, we had a schedule clash. Um, It happens, but we'll have Jason and Rich back on a future episode. So listeners, you are stuck with us. Welcome. (laughs) Same episode. We're going to be talking about our featured story, Days of Future Past. And before we get into that, just to let our listeners know that you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com in our Discord or on social media. We're at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. As usual, we're going to get started with what's happening in the Myamada universe. So for everyone listening to this, if you're listening to this uh, on the day it came out or future days, um, you have just missed our April spring gamepad online event just happened. However, if you are listening to this in the in the week that this episode comes out, the VOD is still available. So you can check out what did happen at our event and get excited for what will happen again in summer. But as well as the VOD of that event, um, we're also releasing the interviews and the panel uh, video, the full extended versions of each interview we've done and the three parts of the panel on game design um, on YouTube. So that is my interview with Stefano Petrullo, founder of Renaissance PR, Shay Thompson, a presenter and journalist in video games, and the panel with Imogen Miller, Quang Nagoyan, and Annie Gradeva. So lots of content to come from the event if you missed at the event. If you want to see the event, like I say, the VOD is still up. If you just want to get straight to those panels uh, and those interviews, you can check them out on YouTube. They'll be releasing over this week. So again, if you're listening to this now, they should all be up. We're going to be back with Studio 77 activities. So for April, we're looking at our next games night, which we have decided is going to be on Roblox and most likely on Thursday, the 22nd of April. So if you are a member, you can join that. If you are following on us, following us on Twitter or on any social media, you can find out how you can at least watch along and yeah, consider becoming a member and get involved in future um activities uh tazzy what what your thoughts on uh roblox uh i have no idea what roblox is still like i it's just one of those things that you everyone's always roblox like i know of its existence but i don't actually like i know what it is (laughs) (laughs) and it's yeah i'm looking forward to being taught it so i yeah and i think games nights are going to be like really interesting for us learning games that we might not yeah. play. I have a feeling that's what they'll become. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm in a similar position with Roblox. Um, I know of its existence. I've not played it, but I talk to young people in workshop sessions and they are all for it. So, 
yeah, I think um, as we do different games, it will probably be <laughs> like us learning about this game that everyone else is talking about and we're just like discovering <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can check that out. And uh, like I say, consider becoming a member. Uh, we have memberships open until the end of April uh, and then that membership window will close, but we will reopen that again in summer, uh, nearer the time of the next gamepad online event and um, for those that don't know studio 77 is uh, essentially our platform for doing more games nights interviews panels on a monthly basis and other activities to have people uh, involved with and support what we're doing as part of gamepad promoting inclusion and diversity in video games as well as providing opportunities for young people to get involved with work experience um, at different events and yeah make their first steps in the games industry so that's the video game side of things over on the manga side of things uh, this is the month that we get started on our um, or on the artwork for our new manga serious through the fog it's one that has been in progress for quite a while now. It's uh, So I've spent a lot of time writing it, rewriting it, uh, thinking about the right sort of uh, directions for the stories and, and characters. But we're in a place now where the story's pretty much there. We have started on the artwork. So you're going to be seeing more updates for that. What we have also done is put up pre-orders on the website. So the story came from a um, kickstarter that we ran last year in 2020 and now that we're starting to work on the artwork um, i'll put up a page where people who missed out on the kickstarter can still get their copy uh, and be one of the first people to get that when the story is done and in print and out and available um, so yeah so check that out we'll also be talking more about a story at our mid-season podcast live stream um, we will invite back um, our illustrator Penali, story editor Lara Lee, uh, and Waimada co-founder Lau. As I say this, I realize I've not actually asked all of them yet, but I'm sure they'll be, right. they'll be around. They'll be cool. They'll be up for it. Um, so yeah, we'll get them uh, on to talk about the story as well as some other guests as part of the live stream. Um, so that is all that we are working on in the My Matter universe. Let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week. So this is the part where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories people have been reading, watching, or playing. And I won't be starting with our guests because we don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just be starting with me. <laughs> um, I have a game. I know, like, I'm the gamer, but but never has a game to talk about. Um, but I played uh, a King's Tale. Final Fantasy 15 on stream like last week which is a, like a side scroller kind of like retro fill add-on game side game bonus game I don't know what you call it <laughs> the naming's interesting so it's it's not Final Fantasy 15 a King's Tale it's specifically a King's Tale, King's Tale Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 15, 15. yeah okay. so it's like a little spin-off game a little and it's really short you know um the suggested beat time is like two to three hours oh wow i think i i think i done it in like three hell a bit baby because <laughs> mm. i got stuck on one bit <laughs> but it's like quite a short one it's quite fun and it's basically the the story of it is actually king regus telling 
a young Noctis a story, a bedtime story about when Regus was younger and like an adventure that he went on with like his three companions. Right. So you play out that adventure. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because it's it's really fun because it's like it it is you're playing but as as it's telling out this story as if it's being read to a kid as a bedtime story. And when you die in the game, Noctis is like, wait, that didn't really happen, did it? (laughs) (laughs) And then King Regus will come up with like a response like, well, I'm here now. (laughs) Or something along them lines. And it's just really clever the way they weave that into the story storytelling that's interesting it is super interesting and i put it off for so long uh because i wanted to finish final fantasy 15 before playing it and never did and it's definitely one like it's it's like a really short game um and you can play i played it on the harder mode but you can play on the easier mode so you don't take as long as me if you're not as good (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's, it's really really fun storytelling yeah, it sounds interesting, especially how they've woven the, I guess, the game fail state into the narrative. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Um, so it's clever. And it's and it's like that, the commentating that happens from Noctis to Regus as they're telling the story is just a lot of fun. And there's just like a lot of things that pop up and you're like, oh, this, oh, they've added this in here for such a short little game it's quite nice yeah definitely especially if you're a final fantasy fan i feel feel like it'd be or even just a final fantasy 15 fan it's like just a fun little little game to play with a fun little story and then i finished the great pretender finally you got there in the end yeah we did i feel like i must have given you a, a little push on the last episode maybe yeah yeah exactly that i was like no do you know what I want to finish it and I mean I did want to finish it anyway but I've been like you know not really watching episodes that often I have to say I think before what did I say last episode uh you said I hated it I hate these characters I hate (laughs) (laughs) but you did say you were not a fan of heist storylines and that some of the episodes I think you're saying like in the second or third season you weren't a fan of the heist themselves yeah so that i think the third heist i was started to fall off a bit because i really enjoyed the characters stories and i felt like the heist was kind of getting in the way because <laughs> <laughs> the third heist got quite personal i feel like they were they all, uh, they all they're had all a, really the, personal yeah, they all yeah they were quite a personal element <laughs> and then and then we get to the final heist Mm. and wow (laughs) (laughs) wow can i say the final heist is excellent well final heist mm. (laughs) well yeah (laughs) the last heist you see because there's like a heist within a heist i was gonna say this is the inception of heist stories yeah and so but like the whole the whole storyline for the final heist. And I can't even like give away if I go like there is so much 
kind of there's yeah there's massive inception in this in this series and it was so good like the that's when it got really personal like really personal and the attachment to different characters and uh edamame's like (laughs) just such a passionate person like he has such a like sense like such a sense of what he believes in yeah and um just the way he's constantly tricked as well which is <laughs> <laughs> what gets me just what gets me and it's just like but the payoff the payoff is so good i've never been so satisfied with a payoff in an anime that i've been like bit like mm, in the middle of oh i see it it brought you all the way back around yeah you were, like you say you were falling off a bit yeah and i was like no completely worth it that that's like you you have to watch it like it's it's such a good payoff i can't talk about it without like spoilers <laughs> just a very good good payoff and make sure you watch the post credits for the last episode because that's even like more intriguing and i really want the next like seasons the next the next part of the story give yeah. that to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm with you i'm on board for that and it was really weird because normally i don't like being put on that kind of like i don't like having that kind of bait left for me at the end when it had such a such a safe closing that felt like a, just a finale because it was wrapped up yeah and then they were like <laughs> just kidding <laughs> we still got another story there <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, like the best payoff. I like, I can't even, I was so satisfied. That last, like the final, final heist was so good. Like it had me gripped and it's so hard to talk about that without spoilers. You know, I, I will say, cause I'm, I'm trying, I don't want to, I want to add stuff, but I can't because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but I will say it, when I, as I was watching it, I got the feeling that the the creators understood that because you know there's a formula with with high stories and mm. I think we mentioned it last time. I I got the impression that they they understood that and they yeah. as you as best you can within the formula of high stories they they played to that so they know like people are going in expecting things to go wrong and then you know there's the yeah there's all those things that you expect in a high story and they mm. did the best to add something original for people who might have had their expectations and try and change things up a bit by going very personal actually I feel yeah and I feel like for me I was like yeah I know what's happening and like to the point where you just don't trust anything at this point you're like exactly everything's everything's a lie (laughs) (laughs) and at some points it has you like is it but then I was just like no it is because everything's a lie that's just in my head (laughs) I was like everything is a lie (laughs) 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 don't believe anything it's all a lie and I think what's great is even if you have in your mind, even if you think you know what's going to happen and it happens like that, the way you think in this, it's still satisfying because it's about why, what was everyone's motivations. And I, I feel like other high stories kind of have that, but not how this has it. This it's like, levels. yeah, this, the why is like very strong. It's very much about the characters. The fact that, their confidence men is just like it's secondary but it doesn't Mm. seem like it is and i think that's a very good 
skill <laughs> to get to make it like that. Um, yeah. And then I recently also watched The Irregulars, which is a it's like an investigative story um, with with some like supernatural powers involved and Sherlock Holmes and Watson are in it. But they're not the stars. But then, yeah, they're not the main, they're not the main people. It's actually the group of, like, they're not children. They're, they're kids. They're like 16, 17 year olds, like around that age group. So they are the, they are the main characters. Sherlock Holmes and Watson are involved in the story. And it's great. And I love that it's kind of like something familiar, but in an unfamiliar way. And yeah, if you like investigative stuff and the supernatural set in Victorian times, and you'll love this. And I love all that stuff. So I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. The character relations in it are really interesting. The powers that come up in it are really interesting. And it's like, that sort of like episodic investigating type story with an overall plot going through it. And I really, really hope they they make a next season, another season for it, because it's really good. It's a Netflix show. But yeah, and then the last one, which is just a quick honorary mention because I've just started it, is the The Way of the House Husband, which I've watched two episodes. Two episodes? It's just came come on netflix yeah i saw this pop up yeah but they're really they're really short episodes that make up an episode on netflix <laughs> i don't know how to explain it so watch <laughs> apart from watch that's the only way um so i'm actually on like episode 10 but it's episode two from watching on netflix because they're like just really sh- they're like mini episodes that make up a big episode but um the animation style is really interesting and the fact that it is these like mini episodes that make up a big episode is really interesting and just the the concept of it is hilarious and so you're following a, an ex-accuser who's now a house husband but he was like a really formidable gangster that just like dropped off and so he's got that like typical scary face that you see in like anime from like some kind of like gangster or misunderstood not actually bad person kind of thing so he's just got like this this scary he's like scary scary presence he's like tall and has the most hilarious get up he like wears a suit with a a um apron with like a cute design on i did see that that did that did get me the the contrast in that <laughs> yeah and he's that but that's the whole thing is like this contrast like he applies this this gangster methodology to being a house husband to like everything's so extreme and then there's all these it's really clever with all these like things that he does that like there's like one bit where he's just like stained in like red sauce or something, but it looks like he's been attacked and injured. <laughs> and there's a lot of that for it. And it's just like, he's like, this is the way of the house husband. <laughs> I'm now a house husband. <laughs> like, that's what I do. I'm not a gangster. Yeah. But I love it. Okay. 
as for me, so I've got a couple uh, honorary mentions. Um, I have started watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I've only watched two episodes, um, so I do need to catch up. But I'm enjoying that. I'm I'm enjoying it. But also, I guess you know we will probably because you're also in the second episode, right, yeah. Tazzy? So yeah. I guess we might speak more about this maybe in the future episode because we're going to be speaking about sort of storytelling and streaming. Um, so we'll definitely dig into that more in a future episode. But I think I said it before when we spoke about WandaVision, just the fact that in um, what Marvel are doing with their TV shows and their TV storylines, uh, sort of exploring different areas. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier is more like what you'd expect, or at least so far, it's more like what I'd expect from a, a Marvel film was one division was a bit of a departure but i like the difference and i think for me i like that there are different format episodes different styles of storytelling um so i'm liking this this direction so i feel like you know because they've got a lot more to come everything might not be everyone's cup of tea but i just like that they're, they're doing different things uh with it and yeah i think we'll speak more about that I also want to touch on Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which I have starred, and I almost forgot to bring this up. But um, just to say that the Tomb Raider series is good. It's a good series. I <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> um, I'm still relatively early, but I'm yeah liking this sort of new Lara Croft. Um, the 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 game itself is kind of. I mean, Tomb Raider is like sort of the original in a way i was i was going to reference uncharted but you know two minutes way before that but um in terms of like sort of recently modern style of gameplay it's like a bit like uncharted but it brings its own style with it and a, a much more much more of an emphasis on the the tomb raiding and there are certain levels that mix in the you know the puzzles with the exploration um and then the the character development uh, as the story progressed so yeah, another mention for Shadow of the Tomb Raider there. I haven't played a Tomb Raider game for like ages. Uh, have you played any of the the recent sort of rebooted series games? I started Rise of the Tomb Raider at some point, but I didn't play that much of it. Was it okay. Rise of the Tomb Raider? Yeah, I forget the names. And no, the no, actually, I think it was like... I think it's even older than that. I think I think the last one I like played a bit of was like Tomb Raider, the 2013 version. Because Rise of the Tomb Raider was when they, the first in this rebooted trilogy or, you know, I, for whatever reason, the way they've named these games, I've no yeah. idea what's come first. I don't know what that says about the naming, but um, I know I played the first in the reboot, missed the second, and then I'm now playing what's the third. Hmm. But no, I'm, I'm yeah, pretty pretty impressed by it. Uh, so I yeah recommend uh, you give that another look. Um, something I have been um, getting into a bit more is Black Lagoon, which I mentioned on the last um, episode or a last episode. Uh, I've now finished the first season, and another thing I'm enjoying because I think I said at the time that uh, it was similar to Great Pretender in that the the protagonist is not necessarily who you'd expect to see as the protagonist, um, but you kind of get those characters in anime and manga where this is a character, uh, Rock, who just gets the, the name <laughs> pretty early on, is this kind of sort of meek Japanese businessman caught up, or he's actually, I say caught up, he's 
taken hostage um, <laughs> by, by pirates and then uh, joins the pirate crew and becomes like the accountant bookkeeper kind of kind of guy but what i liked seeing develop is the relationship so the crew is led by dutch uh who is just like the leader he's he's because he's, he's a like just big bulky black guy sort of relatively quiet but he just like commands uh the, the crew but uh, the interesting one for me is revy yeah particularly the combination of Revy and Rock because they're two completely different people. They're like polar opposites. Yeah. So that, like, the physical clash, but the the clash of ideals and what each, like, believes and values, um, I really like seeing that evolve um, as they sort of, I guess, come closer because he is part of the crew, so she does accept him, but sort of like, you know, we are nothing alike and and that uh that kind of positioning uh towards each other. So yeah, I really like that kind of um relationship and just the overall story of seeing this kind of character who is like honest and, and good <laughs> um sort of survive in this world of people who are just criminals and into gun smuggling and drug trafficking and kidnapping and, and all that kind of stuff. Definitely. So you, you now you've finished it. You um... just the first season. Oh, the first season. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna continue on, and, and I think it's three seasons. So yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely be working my way through that, and I'll yeah let you know what I think when I get to the end. Cool. That's the the batch of stories that we have been enjoying reading, watching, playing this week. So with that all said, let's get to our main story discussion. So today we're going to be talking about the 2014 comic book film X-Men Days of Future Past, directed by Brian Singer and written by Simon Kinberg. So spoiler alert, this is a deep dive into the story. So if you have not seen it, go back in time like they did in the film. Uh, watch all the other uh, X-Men movies because there's like references there. Watch this one and then skip forward in time, come back uh, to this point in time and uh, yeah, continue along with us. So I'm going to do a summary of the plot. But before I do that, I want to get Tazzy's overall impression for this story. What did you think, Tazzy? Um, I thought it was a bit dramatic. Yes. <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I like, I was a bit, I like the the concept of it. But I was a bit, I don't know, like I've not, I've not watched all the X-Men films. I kind of like dropped off at some point and... Understandable. It's not really... I don't even know where this fits into. <laughs> I don't know what order that... I don't even know what's out. Like, <laughs> I just like stopped paying attention to X-Men. But um, yeah, I've always a really cool concept. I always love following Logan Wolverine because I just, I just love Wolverine's nature. Well, at least on screen. I, I don't think in person it'd be as fun but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i just liked the idea it, it kind of like a tables have flipped type thing it feels like a pre-logan film uh logan is in the, the is Fox, in the film the standalone yeah yeah logan. yeah yeah it feels like if i didn't know this wasn't i don't know i feel like this would inspire the logan film as in inspire to make a logan film not any of the elements of it um because of just the idea that you're like following wolverine and it's like that tables have flipped because again it's 
him kind of looking after Xavier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or at least guide, being a guiding light. And I like that. Yeah, it was just interesting. It's just a medium film. I would give it a medium film. <laughs> Bring it in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I, I think it's interesting that you say you haven't watched all the X-Men films because I feel my view on it is that it's one of the better ones. So take that as, as you will. Because I did, I think I've watched, I think I've seen all the, all the X-Men films, but particularly the ones that came before this mm-hmm. and being quite upset at, the, at the, what I felt was the declining quality of them. And X-Men Days of Future Past, I watched it at the time and I remember thinking by the end, this film is an admission that they messed up with the previous ones. And it's just, they're resetting the time. And now beyond this point, they didn't do that much better. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> this is the peak, but I felt coming out of the, the cinemas that, yeah, actually they realized they messed up and they're just going to reset <laughs> everything with this film. So I felt it was a bit better than probably you do because of that, <laughs> basically. Um, but I did think that, like, so I watched it for a second time and I felt that actually... Yeah, it's it's actually a sort of pretty decent decent uh, film. They play with the time travel concept, which can be tricky. But I think for the most part, from a just purely entertainment and watching it and understand what's happening, that they pulled that off. And like you say, with Logan, it is like an opportunity to see to see Logan just take the lead uh, in the film, and it leaves you kind of wanting to see more of that, uh, which we did eventually get for in logan so that was good and that was definitely worth it so yeah so those are our thoughts we're gonna dive a bit deeper uh, and pull apart some of that um thinking but before we do that i'm gonna do a quick recap so this is a story that takes us to a dystopian future where sentinels are relentlessly hunting down mutants and any humans who help them They attack a small band of X-Men survivors that include Kitty, Colossus, Bishop, and more. But Kitty sends Bishop's consciousness back in time a few days to warn others as to ensure their survival. They retreat to a remote temple where they meet with Storm, Wolverine, Professor X, and Magneto. Xavier explains the Sentinels were designed by Bolivar Trask, a military scientist whom Raven, or Mystique, assassinated in 1973. In response, the government forces captured her and used her DNA to advance the Sentinel program. Professor X plans to go back in time and prevent Trask's assassination in hopes of changing their future. But since Xavier would not survive going back decades, Wolverine volunteers instead because his regenerative powers allow him to survive the process. So awakening in 1973, Wolverine goes to the X-Mansion where a young, broken Xavier turns to alcoholism and a special serum allowing him to walk at the cost of his telepathic abilities. Hoping to reunite with Mystique, Xavier agrees to help Wolverine's plan and along with Hank McCoy, the trio break Magneto out of prison with the help of Peter Maximoff. Mystique plots to assassinate Trask at the Paris Peace Accords, but Xavier, McCoy and Logan foil her attempt. Magneto attempts to kill Raven, but she escapes and Trask takes advantage of the situation to convince President Richard Nixon to begin the Sentinel program. Magneto retrieves his helmet to block Xavier's psychic powers and secretly takes control of Trask's Sentinel prototypes by infusing them with metal. 
Back at X Mansion, Professor X regains his mutant power and uses Cerebro to find Mystique. He travels to Washington DC with Hank McCoy and Logan to stop Raven from assassinating Trask. Magneto then appears at a ceremony to unveil the Sentinels, barricading the White House within an entire stadium. During this battle, Magneto impales Logan and throws him into a distant river. Magneto then moves in with the intention of killing Nixon. The future X-Men make their last stand against an onslaught of Sentinels. Back in 1973, Mystique subdues Magneto, but Xavier convinces her to spare Trask. As a mutant who is seen publicly to save the president, the Sentinel program is decommissioned, altering history and erasing the future Sentinels from existence. The mutants in the past depart separately. Trask is later imprisoned for attempting to sell his Sentinels to Vietnamese military officials. Wolverine wakes up in 2023 to find all the original cast, including Xavier, alive, including Xavier and Jean Grey, but also including Scott Summers. Back in 1973, the younger Logan is rescued by Mystique, who is disguised as Major William Stryker. The end. Uh, so that's kind of what I meant by them resetting the timeline, because they just brought back characters they had killed off previously, mm. which, yeah, didn't go down too well. But everyone's back. And then, yeah, like I said, then Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse came out, uh, and that wasn't so good. So... I do feel this was definitely the peak. But the the first thing I wanted to mention, though, is I didn't quite pick up on this until I watched it for the second time. So we've both said we like watching Wolverine. And he he appears to be the protagonist, but I realize he's actually not the protagonist mm. of his story, like Charles is. And you kind of realize, or I realized that, because... Like Wolverine, he doesn't change in this film. I mean, he's Wolverine, he doesn't need to change. But um, he he just, he's kind of like, I guess, the catalyst. But it's about Charles and pulling Charles, past Charles, into the conflict. And then him having the decisive action at the end of it, having sort of um, changed. I don't know if that's something that you picked up on or... Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, it's weird because it's like not, it's not focused on Logan, but... Logan kind of just makes it better. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, imagine it was it was another character, or Charles had just gone had gone back, was able to go back, and had yeah. gone back. It wouldn't be as good. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Like, I, and I feel like at this point in the the series of films, it became pretty clear that you know Hugh Jackman as Logreen is just like a star. Uh, it just like mm. fills the world so well so I'm sure they were like we need to make this guy the, the feature of the story even though it's not necessarily about him and his journey yeah so yeah that was the first thing and that was like a interesting consideration for me because like I said I watched this at the time so as I was gonna watch it a second time I just I remembered it as Logan's story and then kind and of uh, looking at him and, yeah no this isn't about logan <laughs> this is about charles i think it's interesting as well because because we kind of then see charles through logan's eyes which obviously logan knowing charles sees him as like this well put together knows knows what he's doing yes brings it uh, brings yeah has all the answers sees the hope in people that they don't see in themselves and then suddenly Logan's like looking at someone that's more like him 
Mm. And is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) And doesn't know his potential. Doesn't know his full capabilities. And like suddenly it's like, whoa. And we're kind of seeing Charles through Logan's eyes. And I think by doing that, it puts more emphasis on Charles's journey. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I think so. I think that that comes across in, yeah, the the Charles that Logan knows and therefore like the audience knows versus the Charles that we see Logan face with when he first, you know, wakes up in the past and there's a big gap. And then that's where, that's your story. That's that gap. How do we, how does he go from that <laughs> to mm. the Charles we see? So yeah, I really like that, that aspect of it in sort of giving the people what they want while <laughs> creating a story around the the protagonist and their arc, but giving the people what they want to see, which is Logan. Um, the other thing that came to mind as I was watching this, so I've been thinking, uh, so I talked about putting together the serious story. So anytime I'm kind of in that, you know, writing a story, putting together the story mode, I'm just thinking of different storytelling considerations and one of the things i've been thinking about recently is this idea of the comparing the opening image in a story to the end image Mm -hmm. so this is particularly for filmmaking but sort of i'm applying it in a way to to manga so i was aware of it as i was watching this and i just wondered if this was i guess it must be intentional because you know they make the films and everything in there is is intentional but the film opens with this sort of dark and desolate future of just no hope and everyone's been enslaved or about to be enslaved and in the ending when logan does sort of make it back and he's achieved the goal and all the characters are back and he wakes up in x mansion but now it's filled with life and people are it's a brighter scene people are free they're moving about and he's meeting all the other characters and it's that kind of idea of this the opening image compared to the end image where there's a they they book in the films and they kind of mirror each other in terms of theme. So that's something I'm trying to keep in mind as I as I write serious and how can I do something similar. But I thought that was a nice uh, sort of nice touch to sort of encapsulate the theme of the story. Yeah, I think they do it really well as well with like the um, like visuals and the color grading and just the overall look and feel of it because you really it really is dark and it's like dark blue tones and blacks and deep colors in that opening and then in the end it's it's so bright those those shots are so bright there's almost like a glow to it as well like he's just woken up in heaven yeah or a dream (laughs) yeah like that dream state and then they make the middle like when he's in the past they give it like a retro feel and they do like a lot of shots where they do a lot of TV recordings and things just to add that sense of that you've gone back in time. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And it's very like those sort of 70s color colors. Yeah. As well. <laughs> and even um, like the size and formatting, it has some shots that, you know, it's completely changed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, no, definitely back in time. This is just completely retro. <laughs> Yeah, we've spoken about visual storytelling on the show. I guess it's almost, it's almost because of the podcast that I started to take more notice uh, <laughs> of that kind of thing. It's just Definitely, how they yeah. can use that to like enforce the themes of a of a story in a subconscious way. And speaking of themes, we do always like to sort of bring up the themes. And I, I did like the idea here 
about this idea of essentially can we can we change to can we change our fate can we evolve to uh, to change our fate and how i guess the future is set because we're talking about a story where they're trying to change the future so you have this question of are things predestined or do you have agency to change them it's something i wanted to bring up later around charles again the protagonist around his attitude towards towards things in the 70s when he's a sort of broken man versus what he tells himself um when he had that connection um about being able to you know actually do something and, and change and become the, the the man that we all know yeah but before we get to that i just wanted to touch on the sentinels so did you ever watch the cartoons tazzy the x-men cartoons yes like uh the ones where they were like in school yeah yeah i loved i loved x-men back then that was like peak of like rogue and uh gambit and i was gonna say beast because beast was always my favorite yes <laughs> uh, okay cool i was like gambit for some reason it just uh I don't know why, why he'd like just throw those cards. That was, <laughs> I wish I could do that. Um, I also remember the, uh, the Sentinels and just like thinking of the, the design of the Sentinels in the comics versus the cartoons. I don't know if you remember the way the Sentinels were designed, but they made them a lot meaner. <laughs> I think it, I think it works. I think versus something like Transformers, which I brought up before because I just, can't stand what Michael Bay did to that, but the change in the design from the cartoons, which were like almost like toys, and obviously it was that toy franchise, but then adapting that for film. Whereas the Sentinels in the cartoons were, you know, they were still quite ominous, still like sort of big and sort of cold. Um, but here they just made them like vicious. I don't know if you remember the design of the cartoons and if you have a preference for what they did with with the design in the film versus the cartoons. Um, I can't remember them, but I just looked it up, so <laughs> Google's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely prefer the film version because they they are li- they literally just look like toys in the cartoon. Yeah, I know they, do. Like, they are literally are just a toy. They're a lot more mechanical, I think. Like they they look more like technology in the film. And I think it's one of those things. It's like a representation of us like our view of like technology things in in the 90s versus <laughs> versus more recent and um i like uh, i like that contrast like how we view you know these these cold relentless robots then versus now yeah they were like colorful and yeah <laughs> and bright and like uh kind of blocky uh, like blocked colors with smooth i mean they've got smooth edges in in the film, but like definitely like like pop art kind of yes, style. Yeah. To them. <laughs> they're just not they're just not menacing in the cartoon at all. Like there's nothing men apart from their size. Yeah, no, they def- definitely had a yeah a friendlier look. But to be fair, when they showed up in the cartoon, like you knew they were in trouble because the X Men were all scar, except Wolverine who like jump on one and like just <laughs> attacks Net because yeah, he's just Wolverine. So. Yeah. Um, but the other reason I wanted to bring up the Sentinels is because of that that opening. And I'm going to talk about this later in our story tip. But that opening, I felt, was uh, an example of setting high stakes and the scene where, you know, you're already in this like 
desolate sort of dark world and then you see these sentinels just relentlessly pursue and take down uh, each of the mutants and how that then sets up the stakes for the film and the story that is to come that is to come and i felt mm. that was done in a good way obviously because we're dealing with time travel you can sort of go you can push things a bit far but you know even still i thought it was a good way to open it because it makes clear what's at stake in this story and i think you're right with time travel you can really push those boundaries because you can literally make the worst happen you know because if you started the story like that and time travel didn't exist that would be like where do we go from here (laughs) (laughs) what and i feel like you can like emphasize it more because if you're telling a story and like yes the risk is that everyone dies but you're just telling people it's like that the difference between showing and telling right yeah with this it's like no we get to show you exactly what's gonna happen well does happen but then gets undone (laughs) yeah exactly and show you in detail because they all get picked off like pretty uh brutally and also a great chance to to show what the sentinels will be capable of if it doesn't get correct which then helps for when like you said it really does raise the stake because then it helps when we do go back in time and it's like well why why is it so important that um they don't get mystique's dna i mean they could tell you and you'd be like oh okay but seeing it seeing it in action you're really like okay yeah don't let them get a hold of her like we really need to change that you're really there on the journey with the characters no i really i really like that so for me and this is why i say i felt this was a a decent to good film especially relative to the other x-men is that from the beginning i was i was pretty engaged in terms of okay i i I know what we're trying to avoid Mm -hmm. and i also want to would like to avoid this future so i'm on board with stopping them Um, and just from that perspective it's like okay i'm i'm on board with this with this story tell me more definitely yeah it's like that shock factor as well i was like it's like immediately it's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, I remember definitely being shocked uh, in the cinema uh, and again when i rewatched it um so that kind of brings me on to the sort of what the majority of the film is and time travel so i want to mm-hmm. know your thoughts on how they delivered with time travel in this story and if there were any moments that particularly worked or maybe lost you in this film it was kind of one where it's like, you have me, you don't have me, you have me. <laughs> and they went for like a much simpler time theory than a lot of time travel does. Because it's kind of like their version is is a track, right? It's a linear track where if you go back yeah, you're and change things, and it erases. Yeah, there's a new track there. So... I I like that because I feel like sometimes with a lot of shows and films, they get like all caught up in like really scientific time theory that's like really trying to get into how like modern theories perceive time. Yeah. And I think that bogs it, like you get too bogged down in that, that you're like, this is fiction. You can make time exist <laughs> yeah. however you want it to. 
it doesn't have to be scientifically or what we perceive to be scientifically accurate. It doesn't need to, as long as it makes sense in its universe, it doesn't matter. And I feel like for this film, it worked that it was such a simple concept. But the thing that really like made me be, like, I was like, what is at the end when Logan wakes up in, you know, everything's been fixed and you know, he goes and he's like, I don't know what's happened. And then he sees Charles and Charles is like, oh, welcome back. And it's like, well, what happens to the Logan that existed between the moment we leave Logan drowning and <laughs> Logan wakes up? Like, what happens to the Logan that existed then? It was just someone on autopilot? Like, what? Like, because his me- he won't, he, so he has no memory of whatever happened between... No, Logan does, but everyone else doesn't. No, but Logan has no memory of what happened in the oh, new timeline. He yeah. He just suddenly wakes up like, I don't know anything. And I'm like, surely their brain, like his memory would merge and it would just feel like a dream. Because but- he goes back. So future Logan goes back. Back. Has all his existing, existing memories yeah. his, from, from his first timeline. Yeah. He goes... Changes the timeline. Back, changes the timeline, and then just a version of Logan existed between... <laughs> yeah, the, true, In yeah. some, the middle of the new timeline. And then... So everyone's going to have all these memories of him that he's not going to have, but, like, for a big chunk of time as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, is that not going to raise questions? I know, like... Charles said he's going to catch him up, but having someone tell you something and living something is two yeah, different things than remembering yeah. something. And like Charles doesn't know everything. She yeah, wasn't. I was. I was with you the whole way. And then as well, this um, is how you sleep. <laughs> because so now does because obviously when Wolverine goes back, he goes back to an old body where he doesn't have the uh, is it vibranium? Oh, the adamantium. Yeah, that's that one. Adamantium claws. Other rare metal. He goes back to when he's got his bone claws. Yeah. And then he gets picked up by Mystique. And then, so does he have does he have his metal claws or not? Like, I want to know these that's things. That's a good question. So that's and, one of the things. And like, I don't know, that's what bugged me. I was like, that bit just doesn't quite make sense and i suppose that's just the way the rules work in that world but i feel like they're stupid rules <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing about the the time travel mechanic in the story like you say you you have to first you have to establish it within the rules of your story so it makes sense within your story but then mm. you kind of have to deal with just people's perception of it and because we don't know how time travel works uh, and we've got, seen it from different you know fiction and sort of in some in some ways sort of non-fictional discussions about it mm. it's like oh would like we almost can't help but like theorize like how how it would work and if that makes sense yeah so it's always a tricky thing to put it in the story and, and you you always have to take some liberties like in a two hour or whatever this was film you're gonna to have to take some of these and just sort of dumb some things down for lack of a better word because even i'm thinking about endgame avengers endgame and how 
Tony Stark basically solves time travel in two scenes or whatever <laughs> it was, just because, you know, we'd, we don't need to know all the gory details. Just like, we get it, time travel, let's move on. So then it's about how do you make it make sense in your story and then avoid the, oh, wait, but what about this? What about this? Especially in this kind of story where it's it's the, I think by this point, it's like the fourth X-Men film or even maybe the fifth one. Mm. So it's, then, the, then there's the question of, oh, wait, so did things in the other films happen? Are you erasing those things? It's a messy, it's a messy situation. Because technically they they happened because Logan had memory of them. So they happened in yes, some... Yes, they, yes, they happened. <laughs> but they got un- erased. erased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so the other thing that bugged me about the time travel thing as well was, was how it works. So Logan's being sent... <laughs> But his his body's not being sent back. His mind's being his mind, sent back, yeah. and he's still connected to the future. And then, <laughs> and then Charles managed to manages to talk to his future yeah. self <laughs> through Logan. But Logan's mind is asleep, and his mind's in the that bit. I was like, all right, I feel like you're taking you're taking your liberty far, <laughs> um, and I feel like it was a bit of a cop out. Yeah, because even as you say, I'm trying to work that out because, yeah, so Charles was able to, mm, yeah, he was able to, or young Charles was able to skip through time to talk to old Charles through Logan's... Logan's mem- memories, mind. Because yeah. he was going through his memories and then Logan's like, look past. And I was like, Logan's <laughs> not that, not that like, not not he's not that smart, but that's not his like brain wave that's not on his that's not in his mo and it felt like they started writing it and i was like oh wait this is like we've written charles quite hard like blocked and then it doesn't make sense for logan to just convince him like how we're like and they were like oh we need some way to (laughs) make it make sense and then it just didn't it still didn't really so that was that was like my gripe, but like it's not like a massive gripe. It's just like a you sort of think, ah, okay, that's I don't think that would make sense, but this is your universe, so um, who knows? It's not like time travel has been figured out here yet, so anything goes. <laughs> Pretty much, and I guess that's the thing is it's consistency within your own world. But yeah, I, I feel like there's no. There's no way to do a time travel story without raising those big questions. Yeah. Although to be fair, that one in particular, the the one where Charles speaks to himself, that was a bit uh one of those, I guess, storytelling conveniences that you just get. We just need this bit to happen. Yeah. So he's just gonna talk to himself. Cause it just it just didn't seem to make sense that he could because if he could just travel through his mind and talk to himself, like, man, that would solve a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The, the film could have been like two seconds. Then you wouldn't get the drama. Yeah. And this film was so dramatic. It was very it was dramatic. so dramatic. Was there any part in particular you felt was like dramatic or overly dramatic? Tiptoe in the line. <laughs> <laughs> was there any parts that made you feel that in particular? Any moment with Mystique on screen. <laughs> I did like the... Um, the moment where she tracks down the, I think it's the Vietnamese soldier, who she then takes over to get into the meeting where she's gonna mm. uh, make the assassination attempt. But when he's in the, he's in the hotel room, so he takes he the 
Vietnamese soldier or sergeant or uh, wherever the rank is takes Mystique back to the hotel room and she then transforms into her true self <laughs> and then she kind of pins him down with her foot. I'm like, you don't really need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm impressed. I'm definitely impressed. But you could have just could have overpowered him, just, you know, put a hand on him and <laughs> and, and deal with that. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of we just wanna show Mystique doing some cool fighting <laughs> scene. <Yeah. laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. A little bit dramatic, but all right. <laughs> I just there was a lot of moments where I was like, okay, it was a lot of like just character drama. Like everyone was very like fueled by their like personal issues and like having dramatic reactions <laughs> in my view. Cause I like I what I try and not do with with films, especially like short films and films like this, is like try not to think, well, you know, you could have just this would have been a much better idea and it's so obvious. And I'm like, no, stop trying to like, <laughs> that That would not make a film. There would be no film here if, yeah. if that, that was... <laughs> Let's take point. out all the drama. Because <laughs> I was just like them. I'm like, well, I, there was just so many points where I was like, if you did something slightly different, could have got to a, a good conclusion. Uh, but then there wouldn't be all the conflict between Charles and Mystique and forgot the... Other guy's name. Oh, Magneto. Magneto, Eric, yeah. yeah. Like, God, Eric's even more dramatic. <laughs> but I guess that's just his nature. Definitely in this film, especially with that, that stadium drop, a flare yeah. for, for the I don't, I don't know why the stadium was there. Like, I don't understand why he needed the stadium. Well, I, I don't feel like it this. served a purpose. I don't think it did either. I, I guess in, in his mind, he didn't want anyone from the white house to escape but but he had the necessarily sentinels. yeah i was gonna say you didn't necessarily need to need a stadium drop for that but i was trying to work out the logic of, of why you need specifically it's, a stadium i get that he's like strong and powerful but i i imagine moving like metal with your mind still like takes energy yeah. and i feel like lifting a whole stadium and then moving a giant metal box with a load of people in is like i feel like if i had that power i'd be like mm, that's just unnecessary work like <laughs> <laughs> just why he had the sentinels there was i feel like he was just trying to like prove that he's <laughs> show people yeah i suppose he was trying to do it on the camera and it was like a show of power to say, look how powerful mutants are. Oh, yeah, are. of course, can... yeah, that too. But I still feel like the stadium was like over the top. I feel like from moving the state, the vault thing that they were all in was enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone would have got the picture that yeah. you're powerful. You can move metal with your mind. We understand. <laughs> you're strong. <laughs> Like we get it we get it <laughs> and like even just his reactions to everything was like disaster and dramatic responses like yeah i guess because for me it was like showing because i wanted to talk about the characters um yeah. as well and showing their motivations because going back to the like the cartoons because that's how i got into x-men that was like that and the spider-man show i saw that two of my mm -hmm. favorites and for me x-men always had this thing about sort of presenting these these deep themes of 
like ex- exclusion and, and otherness and almost like civil rights. And I don't know if this is like one of those myths or if it actually was, but with Xavier and Eric sort of representing the different philosophies of Martin Luther King with sort of the nonviolent approach and Malcolm X with mm-hmm. the any means necessary approach. I always feel when I see Magneto do something, it's it's the any means necessary. Definitely. So it kind of goes towards yeah. that. It's like if mystique is going to be the thing that threatens mutant life in the future then forget my feelings she needs to go because that's that's the goal here so i always feel they they play into that and i did like seeing the two the relationship between the two or at least the competing ideals between the two and how they sort of react to each other yeah definitely it's kind of that really extreme but even then i'm like then he kind of failed in his own thinking because uh her just being dead would not be uh, enough. Her body would need to be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good point. <laughs> she she would need to be incinerated. <laughs> and and like she said, uh, when he's like, they've already got your blood. She's like, well, whose fault is that? <laughs> yeah, I, know, I love that line. Because <laughs> someone didn't think; they just acted. <laughs> so yeah, he does have that kind of. Um, uh impatience uh to yeah. his character as well there is another line actually going back to that stadium where i think when he the moment he lands and there's the i guess the groundskeeper and the groundskeeper like ask him can i can help, I help you, you? <laughs> the way he just like dismisses him is like no yeah, you no, can't you but can't. he doesn't even look at him <laughs> yeah just... and then just proceeds to uh take the stadium poor like poor poor guy yeah, just trying to maintain the, <laughs> maintain the stadium ready for him. match day <laughs> <laughs> you know he probably uh had his boss bosses have a go at him like, how could yeah, you I let know. this happen <laughs> <laughs> we lost the stadium under your watch you, yeah. you are so fired we've got a match tomorrow and look <laughs> look at the day. um yeah i do like this how um mystique was sort of in the middle of that as well and being the the sort of like middle point and being tugged to both sides and her just trying to find her self and like what what she thinks is right and i like that charles gave her the choice at the end and he realized his character flaw and that was like sort of goes back to the growth of of charles in the story doesn't it because he realizes that, like, oh wait, I've just been making her do stuff and You're just controlling, controlling her, her yeah, her whole life, and that she deserves her own autom- autonomy. Yeah, no, I, I did like that. Uh, that three and the sort of the battle between them, because even so, you you actually touched on the idea that you know how do you stop Magneto? Is like get inside his head, and I think the last time we spoke about this was when we talked about the Dark Knight and the idea of Batman and the Joker being protagonists, antagonists sort of made for each other. Mm. I feel in the same way that Charles and Eric kind of made for each other in terms of their, they want, well, Batman and <laughs> Joker don't want the same thing, but in this <laughs> in this sense, they, they want the same thing. It's just very different paths and conflicting paths to get that. Yeah, and then in terms of I guess the the power actually like the mutant power in that you know Magneto being so powerful the one thing that can stop him is the power that Xavier has so they just work together on different levels so well. 
and that they're friends as well like they so they they've got this constant battle that's their friendship and is yeah. is trying to navigate that like how how would it change if they wasn't friends like would charles just not give him any chances you know would charles have let him go at the end if they wasn't friends if he was just some random powerful mutant that had no connection and affiliation with him so i feel like that that's what makes it so interesting is that you know their their powers are sort of complementary of each other and then that they are friends and constantly battling with their friendship and they seem to be like are they like i don't understand everyone's relationship with mystique are they like love rivals as well yeah so from the previous entries in the series you have xavier and raven in a some kind of relationship because i think there, there are flashbacks in this film to them as as children and growing mm. up and the affection that xavier has for her but what from what i remember and what was kind of intimated in this film is that that controlling nature of charles uh, and maybe the sort of they're growing apart uh, or him pushing her away and then pushing her away into like the philosophy of magneto or somewhere in between so I think there's like a, a split in a relationship between Charles and Raven and then yeah. they sort of build a relationship between uh, Raven and Magneto. And and you see that, like you said, like she's kind of in between both of them. So I wanted to speak more about Charles as well. So as as the protagonist and, you know, sometimes like with with films or stories, you 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 watch them or you you consume them at one point in time but then sort of life happens and in the same story takes on a different meaning. And this was that case, just seeing like Charles, like I felt like I understood Charles <laughs> a lot more this time watching than the first time I watched it. Uh, because the first time I watched it, it was like, I was watching someone go through some things and you know, whatever, when did this come out? Let's say 2014. Yeah, so six, seven years on, like I feel like I've gone through things and now I understand. <laughs> like Charles like I understand that kind of you know I because he's he's that he he's that guy that had these ideals is like life has broken him and then it's like convincing him that you there's still there's still more to it so yes Raven's not in the picture but that's okay or you know um whatever else happened so when we meet Charles like he is in a terrible terrible place like he's basically given up Mm -hmm. and you have this idea that that logan of all characters is the one that has to sort of convince him to sort of pull his sock, socks up so to speak and sort of um get on but he's and he's really like um ah uh, i don't know he's an idiot <laughs> basically he's 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 being kind of uh stupid and mopey and uh in yeah. some sense but I, I i definitely understood the character more this watch versus when i first watched it I get that. And he's definitely going through something. Yes. <laughs> and um, I think as well, um, Eric kind of points it out as well when they rescue him, that he's like, you, you've given up. He's like, you gave up your powers for your legs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's just like, can't, like, he's like, <laughs> I just don't what? get that. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like, you, you can just control me. It's like, wait, you can't use your, what? <laughs> Why? Why have you given up your power? Like, he cannot think of a reason that you would ever give up your powers. And then sort of goes, you know, it's not just the legs, it's the voices, but he's still just like, what? <laughs> Yeah, again, it's like for those two, it's those different mindsets. And like for Magneto, it's that mutant power is like puts mutants above all else. Like mm-hmm. we're so far ahead and to give that up. Whereas I feel uh, Charles is more, you know, it makes us different, not necessarily better. Yeah. And I feel like at that point that he's not even, he's given up on himself so much that, because obviously his powers are part of him. That's who he is like not yeah. all of who he is but it's a part of him and he's just but he's completely given up on everything like he's not he's not doing anything like what what are they doing apart from just living in this house at the, at the point that we find them like they're not he's completely given up on everything yeah i'm like what were they actually doing <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they're, they're they're actually just like wait are they yeah. literally just doing, they're nothing? doing nothing yeah they're completely aimless like absolutely nothing put themselves in their own lockdown on purpose like just watch that now it's like wait you chose to just stay inside and do nothing go out man go out <laughs> live your life <laughs> so yeah i definitely I, I like that just like you you watch something at a particular time and it just takes on different meaning depending <laughs> on where you watch it um so another character that I wanted to make sure that we touch on is Quicksilver. Yes. Because I forgot that he had like one of those iconic scenes <laughs> in uh, in this series where as they break out Magneto uh, and they get um, caught by like security in the Pentagon and he's like, don't worry, I'll handle this. And he just has that moment where just time slows down yes. and he's just taking care of everyone. Yeah, I absolutely loved that scene because like Magneto started to control yeah. the metal. And then Charles kind of looked at him like, no, we said no violence. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine's just getting his claws out. But all of that, while all of that's happening, Quicksilver's like done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's all in motion while this scene plays out and there's, you know, you got the music, you've got the the angles, the like kind of jokey actions as well. Yeah. Where he does something that is definitely not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like <laughs> I can, so you know. <laughs> and then he just and it's I, I love how this time slows down and everything's in the air. And then when it when the time just goes back to normal, it's just like, yeah. And I think as well, because Magneto, this he does he has no idea. <laughs> and then he's kind of like, okay. <laughs> like the look at his face is just like, huh. Oh, I think as well, like it just de- demonstrates like how powerful he can be, like his potential like how much of how much potential his power has because you think really fast and you don't quite put together what that means <laughs> in a moment like this like and it 
And I think it just like helps to demonstrate like how useful that power is. And I think especially as we sort of like get further and further in time and so more and more superpowers are like used and fought up of in in shows and comics and everything. And it's like, how do you obviously being really fast is a really is a pretty good power. But the way they've demonstrated is like, how do you demonstrate a power's use to make it maybe like not you might think, oh, that's not that cool. How do you like give it that cool like factor? Practical use. Yeah. And I and I think that scene scene just like demonstrated like this is how it looks practically. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Breaking someone out of the Pentagon, yeah, that's the, that's, that's a useful, <laughs> that's uh, useful. useful kind of application of that power. Not that I would do that if I yeah. had that power, just in case. Because at first I did think, how is he going to help? Like, I didn't, I didn't think about, like, how is he going to help? <laughs> I was like, I'm sure it would come useful, but, like, how? Like, what is he going to do? And then he does it. And even, like, when he breaks the glass, I was like, huh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Did you have any other favorite scenes or character moments? Just the when the Sentinels are coming at them when they're protecting Logan and giving Logan more time to be in the past. That scene of them all working together, all the X Men just like oh, I just thought that was pretty badass. There was a lot of like little moments that were like oh, like funny or I think that's like what made not what made this film good but like kept this film good was just that there was a lot of like just little moments of like wit or coolness yeah yeah i get that so i've got a question how would you feel in a world where mutants were real like super super mutants were real and you were not a mutant you did not have a mutant power hmm oh that's an interesting question how would I feel? Ooh. <laughs> That's a tough <laughs> one. Because I I wouldn't say like, hey, we could all, you know, live together in in peace and harmony. But I it, I think I'd, I'd feel vulnerable. Yeah. Because you're kind of in this situation where like people have this like great power. And if those decide to turn on you, the, cons- the, yeah, the consequence or the repercussions can be like out of this world almost and that's like a it's like walking around with um i feel like i'm making the the trask argument here for sentinels but it's like walking around with like ticking time bombs that's how i think that's how i'd feel i think it's an interesting point because i feel like as humans we're like very much at the top of the food chain and we just create anything that we see as a threat yeah and don't know how to live with yeah yeah, so because as I was watching it, I was like thinking, I was like, oh, like how would I feel? I I think I'd feel I I personally I think I'd just be like really excited mm. <laughs> as long as I have a mutant friend. Like, okay, that's it. Yeah, that's a key. <laughs> because otherwise, I think I'd just feel a bit left out if I just like saw mutants on the TV. <laughs> I mean, that was my first thought. I'd feel left out. But then there's actually more than that. I'd be like, oh. And I, I wouldn't even have like a friend that has these powers <laughs> that I could like hang out with and just see them do all this cool stuff. Yeah. And like hear their stories, like personal stories. You know, like something went down and they're like, oh yeah, I just used my mutant powers. Power, yeah. I'd be like, oh, me oh you damn, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <live through> you. 
but I don't think I like I feel like I'd feel like vulnerable but also there's a lot of situations that I feel vulnerable so I don't think it would be like I'm I'm so okay with that there's something more powerful than me I mean there's just humans that are already more powerful than me so that's true and they are just so I guess what's the difference yeah obviously like with catastrophic results depending on their powers but this it's just you know it's no different from people having weapons yeah true i think it's something like you you mentioned it about the the idea of we're used to being at the top of the food chain and it's like it's on that level (laughs) like i feel uh so me personally but just like what i am is not just taken down on peg like whoa that just shapes reshapes my whole like now when i step outside I need to, <laughs> you know how i don't know how like cats or dogs or like sheep or whatever <laughs> might like look around for predators now i have to start doing that yeah. myself i'm not used to doing that <laughs> i think maybe because i already am someone that is aware of is highly aware of risk like i am a risk assessor and I don't let that impede on my like day-to-day life, but I'm just aware if I'm walking down the street, particularly like at night or if it's snowing, <laughs> for example, like I'm thinking where, like if I'm at night, I'm like, where am I? Even just in the daytime, actually, it's like, where are my exits? Like if anything was to go down and I literally mm. think of every situation, you know, like a human that's risky but even down to like, I think, hmm, like if aliens were to invade right this second, what would I do? Like, I always have that thought and it and it doesn't impede on my life. If anything, it elevates it because... Yeah, you just have that awareness. Yeah, and I don't have fear. And I think if anything was to happen, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't have like a fear straight away. It's like, you know, if you train yourself how to deal with a fire... Even though, like, when a fire happens, yeah, it'll be scary, but at least you'll be able to step into action. Yeah, no, no, I'd be that guy who who skipped the training classes and now the fire's <laughs> here. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's just the kind of person I am. And I know, like, not a lot of people are like that. So I completely understand when people are like, no, it's... but I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, equally, there's there's going to be equally just as many good mutants as bad mutants because they are humans. Like they're evolved humans. Yeah. So they're just going to have human mindsets. Yeah. And I just, I just really want to, I want a friend. (laughs) Even if they had like some really trivial power. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. So we talked about some of the themes in this story. And like I said, the idea that, you know, we can change that personal evolution that we see uh, embodied in Charles, who, you know, is in the story and the story is about him needing to change for the X-Men to win. The the one I actually wanted to bring up that we haven't touched on. Uh, and again, this comes from a place of watching this story now and just me myself being more aware of it not that this wasn't a problem before but this idea of politicians sort of uh stoking sort of fear of the other of people who aren't understood and something that's it's always been around in x-men and i go back to the the cartoons that's something i liked is this idea of uh, acceptance of prejudice and um certainly in magneto is being super proud of of who you are and that's just something, again, it's just 
watching it now and just being more aware of those kind of themes. I don't know what you thought about that, Tazzy. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I find Magneto dramatic. So (laughs) (laughs) just his approach, like, even if you are more powerful, like, I don't know. I don't want to compare it to this, but I'm going to have to um, because of lack of a better comparison. But like, if I have, I love, I love animals, right? I don't have a dog of my own, but when I look after dogs, and if I did have a dog of my own, I wouldn't treat it like a thing. I wouldn't feel the need to, I mean, to some extent, you've got to be like a bit controlling, but like a dog has their own personality and their own little things. And I don't like, I wouldn't feel the need to like hit a dog or anything to discipline it and like demonstrate that I am the alpha and like, (laughs) Like, I am more powerful. Actually, the dog's more powerful than me anyway, depending on the dog. But, like, I don't feel the need to assert that I am higher up on the food chain. I want to respect that animal and live with with them, even though they're my pet. I want to live with them and make them feel like they're at home. And so imagining a dog could speak then I'd want to co 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 inhabitate with them. Like I even sometimes I think like oh, we domesticate all these animals. Can we not just learn to like cohabitate with them and then we can still enjoy their adorableness? <laughs> like, and obviously, like that would be great if you could do that with a tiger, but you you can't. <laughs> Which some people do. That is so. a gamble. Yeah, some people do. I saw that documentary. Yeah, if you then got communication, the same communication, like why can you not co-inhabitate? Why do you feel the need? Like, yes, you are more powerful, but then if you are in the more powerful position, should you not protect the vulnerable? Mm, that That is a nice way of looking at the world. Maybe you should run for office. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's demonstrating his power, but rather than, you know, demonstrating how much he can defeat everyone, like, it would be way more received. It could be like, hey, look how much I can protect you. I can put a giant stadium around you and then no one can get in. <laughs> and you are powerful. So it's not like someone can use you. You're so powerful. <laughs> but it's almost like that, I guess the idea of, of control or, or threat because in in Eric, uh, so for Magneto, he's like wanting to demonstrate his power because he believes he's the superior being but with the politicians as well it's again to your question like how would you feel if if um to a potentially more powerful mutants among you if you're in that position and you know the politicians and you've got the weapons and suddenly your weapons there are mutants that make your weapons like redundant that's a that's a fear like we can't control that because that means we are now one lower down one ring lower down and we need to we need to stop that from happening yeah. so they almost have a similar uh approach it's almost like a venn diagram where some of the things of magneto overlap with what the the politicians they all yeah. want control over the other and and yeah i think they are the the equivalents because it, it is it's it's that and it, it's it's a mindset thing people are worrying about the things they can't control rather than the things they can and so magneto tries to demonstrate that in with what he can control he tries to control the things that are out of his control <laughs> through fear again i disagree with his ways <laughs> but i understand why he feels so threatened um <laughs> so i'd put you in the 
in this battle of um, Professor X versus Magneto, I'll put you in the Professor X category. Yeah. But yeah, I'd definitely be in a Professor because as well, he's, he still doesn't give up on Magneto. So still gives him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. it's But then I feel like I, I like that approach, but then I also feel even though I personally wouldn't take the Magneto approach, I feel, I feel there are some instances where you need to send in a Magneto and just <laughs> let them let them be themselves for a while and then find some way to pull them back. And, and yeah, yeah. Out. I definitely think like the demonstration of power can be beneficial. Yeah. Like the, but then still, I don't, yeah, it's a fine line. It's a fine mm. balance. It just made me think of a TikTok that I saw earlier. Oh. <laughs> that was like of a, comedian on stage a woman comedian and she was telling a story about oh yeah when your when your when your partner comes back and he's like oh this girl asked for my number and I didn't give it to her and you're like okay your point <laughs> It's just like, no, but I, did, I didn't give it. I had the opportunity. Have, yeah. yeah. And it's like this demonstration of like, I had the opportunity to do this thing, but I didn't do it. So like, I'm good. Like, look how good I am because I, <laughs> I demonstrated like that I can just, you know, honor the basic terms of our contract. <laughs> <laughs> and that's almost like, to me, that's what Magneto is doing. <laughs> by like flex like yeah look i can but i'm yeah. not <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay thanks thanks for showing me that you can kill me but you're not it's like what are you trying to prove it's a weird flex basically i get you that's an interesting analogy all right so with yeah with where we are now with marvel or disney buying mm -hmm. up fox now taking ownership of the x-men we now have the expectation of the X-Men appearing in the MCU. And I think there was a story uh, about the the plans for that and a, a film called The Mutants, which is set to be the first title in the MCU dedicated to the X-Men. Uh, I'm not sure when that's coming out, but we'll find that and add that to the show notes. So my question as we uh, end this part of the discussion is... For for you, Tazzy, I guess as someone who hasn't seen all the X Men, it's kind of it come in and out. Mm. First of all, do you have any expectations for the X Men in the MCU? Um, I don't have any expectations really, but what I will say is I feel like the MCU is dancing on this fine line of how many how many characters is too many characters. <laughs> like how much is too much and it's like can they juggle all of these properties and have them exist in the mcu before it starts falling apart and there's too many holes in stories and mm. stuff starts to just not make sense and collapse in on itself kind of thing you know that's a good point and i agree i, I think for me because like x-men like with the cartoons as i was saying was like one of my favorite just sort of marvel time periods of just uh coming on to watch that cartoon just absorbing all of that so i'm quite excited to see the x-men in the mcu with because th this run of x-men films has had some had had its moments had some uh really bad entries but just mm. to see what like 
Kevin Feige would do with that level that we've seen from him over the past decade applied to the X-Men. Like, I just love to see that. But then I'm also thinking, yeah, surely at some point <laughs> there's too many. I'm trying to think how you would do this from a storytelling perspective because just on a basic level, you can you run the risk of having too many characters, too many storylines. But especially here where you have this decade of storytelling that is continuous. Because even, yeah. you know, we talked about WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like these continue on <laughs> from the, <laughs> the film universe. And now you're having to manage all that, then bring in the X-Men and eventually, I guess, Fantastic Four in there somehow. I could, the only way I, I can think to work is you have to move along from some characters. So there'll be characters that have their moment. Like we've seen Captain America and Iron Man uh, in this sort of generation of the of the film get phased out. And I feel like, oh, you're going to have to sort of move time along and, and leave some characters and complete some character stories. And as well, like, it's like the expectations of the audience. Because I'm someone like, I don't really mind holes in something like as big and as vast as the MCU. I don't really mind holes. But the the rest of <laughs> the very vocal community that watches uh, do. And, you know, that's a that's a balance of pleasing that really hungry audience for for everything to make sense and yes and to make sense in the way that they think it should make sense and <laughs> the impossible standard yeah and like you know there's i feel like there's definitely gonna have to be some like we had to add this in just for the sake of moving the story along yeah and i think there's already been some of that and and for me it's not even necessarily the the comic fans because they like you'll you'll never please like some people and i'm mm. sure there are already people saying you know this doesn't make sense in this according to this storyline and and da, 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 for what has been over the past decade for me yeah. it's the it's the regular sort of film movie going audience it's it's those people and and maintaining these storylines for those people because they can like the comic fans will like they'll complain but they'll still kind of watch things to a certain extent your average just i'm just here for the films make it entertaining for me they can switch off and they can yeah. be like we're done with this because i think for comic readers as well they kind of expect it to not be not follow the story that they might like and there's so many editions of comics and versions of characters that they're used to different versions of stories and everyone sort of just like has their favorite version and so you know they might complain but it's more like of a like uh it's not the version that i wanted to see it's a different kind of complaint. different version yeah and like obviously they have the thing that they're looking forward to which might not get included or might just get reworked to a to a new new version so yeah i definitely think it is like those the people that are really into the cinematic universe that are the mm. ones that are most vocal and most outraged about everything. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a, it's going to be a challenge incorporating incorporating more characters into this universe. I'm, I mean, I'm here for it until the wheels fall off. Until it does implode on itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so far, they, they've proven they can make something work. Mm -hmm. So let's let's see how they do it, but. Yeah, so that is our discussion on X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, as always, you can let us know what you think. If you've uh, seen the film, uh, well, if you haven't by now, you pretty much have. 
uh, let us know what you think about this uh, X-Men film, how it ranks up against the others in the series, and what your expectations are for the X-Men in future MCU entries. Now we're going to go into this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their own stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from techniques or even mistakes of others. So for today's episode, I want to discuss raising the stakes for your characters. I talked about this uh, earlier on, how the the opening moments of this film just got me pretty much invested in this story from the opening scene just all the way to the end just because I wanted to see how it turned out so even though as we discussed there were (laughs) definite holes in time travel logic they usually are with films like this I felt that they did a good enough job of, of threading the past and the present into some kind of coherent and enjoyable narrative I guess it was it was down to the stakes and Logan's journey, what that meant for him and the whole of mutant kind. Um, and that was just down to that relentless opening sequence that really let us know, you know, what the heroes uh, and the villains uh, in the story are up against. So I feel in some form or another, when you're making your story, a good story needs to establish what is at stake. As you prepare like um, to write your story, be clear what the core stakes of your story are. So your protagonist must have some kind of goal and this means there are questions of what happens if they don't achieve that goal. So these are your stakes and the clearer you make them to the audience, the more invested they can be. And what we see with Days of Future Past is that it does something very effective in that we start the film witnessing what happens if our characters don't achieve their goal. So it's the destruction of the last remaining X-Men and all of mutant kind that is made super clear. And because we, the audience, have seen and experienced this uh, this fate, we know what's at stake when Logan biz- begins his journey uh, to the past. So we know why it's important for him to convince a young Charles to regain hope in the future. We get that. We've, we have that. We have that memory. You can do some, well, X-Men does something like this. You don't necessarily have to do the exact same things, or you may not always be able to show the consequences of failure in your story, but it doesn't mean that you can't up the stakes and keep the audience invested in the outcome of the uh, the character's journey. Raising the stakes, really raising the stakes in your characters can be difficult to do as a creator because you have this natural inclination to protect your characters from harm so you don't want to put them in any too great a danger danger but it's something you just have to break yourself out of it's something i've had to remind myself um, as i make stories because a low stake story is usually a boring one so a good question to ask yourself is what's the worst thing that can happen to your characters if they lose think about the answer and then force yourself to go a level or two worse uh, as appropriate for your story, of course. Here are some questions to think about when raising the stakes of your story. So number one, do your stakes progress the plot? Uh, So remember that going for high stakes isn't just about shock value, but keeping in mind how these events will actually progress the story forward. 
So you want to think about the actions your characters must take and the ramifications on others in the story or situations later on. So number two is who is affected by these high stakes. Uh, so this is typically your protagonist, but can also be other main characters or characters that your protagonist cares about. So what emotion is stirred by these stakes and the consequences uh, of them? This is also something you can do from the point of view of your antagonist so that their motivations are just as compelling as your protagonist or main characters. And uh, number three, how closely is your protagonist to the central conflict and does your audience have time to digest this? So this is something related to pacing and when you're thinking about these high stakes situation, try and avoid rushing from high stakes moment to high stakes moment. So you want to give your story time to breathe by delving into into the potential ramifications of any high stakes situation. And last, number four, what or who stands in the way of your characters achieving their goal? So there's no story, no good story that moves from beginning to middle to end without there being some issues. So you need to think about how you can introduce some trickier moments for your characters to go through. And we see that in Days of Future Past where they go back or Logan goes back to stop Mystique from uh, assassinating Trask. That actually happens, but then something worse happens in the moment that they then have to deal with to eventually achieve their goal. Yeah, so there'll be a video on this storytelling tip later on YouTube. You can also send us your storytelling tips and we'll read them out on the show. Whether it's a comic, manga, game, book, or something else, send them to feedback at mymatter.com or you can join our Discord and let us know there. We've got a kind of weird situation here where we don't have a guest, so therefore we have no guest news to wrap up with. I don't know what to do here. Um, you can watch me on stream. <laughs> Twitch.tv. Tazzy, why don't you tell us about your news? Where can we see you? Yeah, so you can find me on on Twitch streaming a few times a week. It's twitch.tv slash Tazzy, T-A-Z-Z, triple I-X. I'm also like going to be putting out more YouTube videos, so you can follow me over on YouTube. Just search Tazzy and um, on social media at Tazzy. Cool. I recommend everyone do that now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is our episode. Like I said, we will have... Wulong Talks on a future episode. So it's just been us. I hope you enjoyed that. If you enjoyed this episode or the ones where we do have guests on, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss any episode. And consider giving us a quick rating or review on Apple Podcasts so we can reach new people and fans of story discussions. Don't forget that uh, you can check out our stories, the Mayamada stories from our universe. So we've got a number of titles that are available right now. And we're also working on our new title, Serious Through the Fog, which is coming later in spring. So you can see all that at mayamada.com forward slash manga. We have our next gamepad event coming at some point in summer, but you can check out our gamepad discord now and also our Studio 77 membership for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the Mayamada universe. So you can see all that at gamepad.events. We release episodes on Thursdays, and those include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives 
into stories across pop culture. That has been our episode. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe and we will see you all again soon. Thank you.